handicapped, really. Where is the thought process here, bro? Like, take me on the journey. I want to learn. Like, like you say, bright pink wheelchair, bright pink trainers. What annoys me is that if I want to buy pink trainers as a rule, I have to buy women's trainers. I don't want to be that meathead like, no, my bitch stays at home and she does this own. Today's guest, Damien Weatherold, is actually our first returning guest onto the Not Quite podcast. And for those of you who don't know Damien, Damien is a sex educator and sex toy specialist who also happens to have a disability. There's a great conversation to have with Damien today, particularly surrounding accessibility when it comes to gigs and festivals as wheelchair users, as well as his experience within the sex educator space and a really important topic we touched on today, and that is the position of masculinity in the world that we live in today and the impact on disabled men. I really do hope you enjoy this episode. Please sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome back to the Not Quite Pod. We've got a bit of a first today, which is uh, our first returning guest. Now, I feel really weird doing this because it's the first time I've ever done it, but Today we've got Damien in again with us and Damien is a sex disabled sex educator but I'll let him do the introduction to himself of like a bit about himself just in case you haven't caught out his first episode. Hi Charlie, great to be here again. Uh, yeah, I'm Damien, I'm a sex educator, uh, I'm a wheelchair user. Um, you usually hear me talking about sex and disability but alongside that my other passion is going to music gigs and you'll now see me doing videos talking about how accessible or inaccessible certain venues are um, and trying to encourage more people to go to these sort of things. You, you see so much about people saying, oh, they're afraid of going to music gigs or sporting events because they don't think they're going to be accessible to them. And I just want to kind of show, look, yes, they can be. You might have to plan a little bit more, but we need to see more disabled people at these things so then more people will keep wanting to go. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. I myself love going to a gig, love going to a festival. Also, there's some loopholes in there that actually mean you end up having either a better time or saving some money. So, like, it's worth diving into because yeah. people don't realise, like, some of the benefits. Um, what have you found since sort of documenting going to different sporting events? Like, I follow your journey and I know we've had conversations about it, but what have you found in terms of, like, what's a common practice? What are some of the problems you've seen within that industry and sector what's been the reaction of the community what's one thing you wish you could teach people about maybe this topic i think i've gone to gigs for many years like even before like, i was like in my teens i was when, was when i went to my first music gigs um never really thought about the accessibility then it wasn't until mm -hmm. maybe like 10 15 years ago when i started going to more again after a gap um when I started having more and more issues with my EDS that I thought, well, I need to look at accessibility, i.e. like seating or how I get into the venues. Yeah. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time going and seeing what was going on, but then going into like starting to use a wheelchair last year, then start, it was a, a new journey again, because as a wheelchair yeah. user, it can be more difficult, but it does have its benefits as well. Like you say, cause like, some venues have amazing wheelchair platforms and they'll put you towards the front. Um, yes, there will be some venues where the wheelchair platform's at the back and the, it'll be for maybe safety reasons or so they can get more people yeah, in the venue. Yeah, yeah. And I can completely understand that, especially with some of the old buildings that hold old uh, concerts. Um, the one thing I will always say, I think you've just got to be prepared 
to plan ahead. I think you can, it's it, should, it shouldn't be like that, but you're not going to be able to just rock up at a gig yeah. as a role and just go in and find like accessible seating or a wheelchair yeah, yeah. platform because so many of the places have really limited numbers. I think I was going to say I've seen wheelchair platforms with like only like maybe four wheelchair spots on, but then there is ones where they'll maybe have. I was at a gig; it was an outdoor gig at um, one of the whole rugby grounds about a fortnight ago. And I think I counted 50 wheelchairs on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, which was amazing. You know, that, yeah, that's yeah. how you want to see it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like people, I mean, we've had conversations about it and I think we're going to dive into the topic a bit more as well in this episode of like, people always seem to want things to be perfect first time around. And the thing is, unfortunately, as disabled people, we just have to do things different ways. And that's frustrating for a lot of people, but it is just the nature of the beast. It's that whole thing that we've spoken about a lot as well of people wanting the perfect system now when that people are still figuring it out anyway. So how are you going to figure out the best system? It's not going to work. No, it, there's there's no one size fits all for like venues for um, like customers, patrons, whichever way you want to put it. But like I find. If I have any questions, I always get in touch with the venue. If it's a venue I've never been to, to before, I'm straight on the phone. As soon as I say, oh, there's a gig I want to go to or like an event, straight on the phone, right, what track's access like? Uh, can you like sort it for me to be there? And most are really good. I've, I've only encountered one or two, maybe two, yeah, two venues that haven't been able to get me in because of basically stairs that it's been that as bit because they've been like downstairs in basements or something like that. That's been it. I think as well, it's that whole thing of knowing what's available at each venue. That's the other really tricky thing because each venue is different. Like a lot of theatres in London, they have a back entrance and you go in this weird and wonderful way like, and but it works. The problem is I always say like, I don't, I, it's like coming back to a point I always bring up on the, the podcast of, I don't care if you've got, like, I don't care what you call or how you get me to a disabled toilet. I just need to get there. And it's the same thing. I don't really mind how I get to my seats. Providing they're good seats, I don't really care. And providing I've got a good view. Like, I, I know we spoke as well because I'd recently been to the London Stadium to see a concert. And you said that you'd had quite a like hit and miss experience. I actually had a really good one of, like, it was really easy to get around to the toilets. I even got let through to the VIP bit for, to go to the toilets to avoid all the queues. I, like, I, I sussed that trick out very early. But then also, I thought the seat's really good. The only thing I, I have a personal opinion of, like, uh, I don't think, uh, like, individual acts work at a stadium because it's often hard to see them. Sometimes the screens aren't in the right position. So I personally prefer more your arenas, like your O2 arena yeah. and stuff like that, because it feels more you're in it. So that's my only thing, but that's more of a personal preference. But overall, I've had a good experience. But then it's, like I said, it's knowing what you're going to get when you go to these different places. And it's also knowing the system that you need to do. Like I know for, well, I need to phone up and I need to ask, and I might need to be asked to provide evidence of my PIP. And I know sometimes that can seem ridiculous to people, but at the end of the day, it's just trying to make sure the seats go to people who actually need it and require it. I know it's yeah. ridiculous. I know it feels like, Jesus Christ, I'm in a wheelchair. I can send you a picture of me in a wheelchair. But then again, realistically, anyone can sit in a fucking wheelchair. It doesn't make, it doesn't really make a difference. 
No, it's it's real tricky because I, I like I've I'm real friendly with so many like venues now that I go to regularly, especially ones in like Newcastle and places like that that are more local to me. But there was one venue in Newcastle specifically that had they had to implement like checking at like PIP or things like that because they were just getting that many people saying, "Oh, well, I need someone with me," and they had I think forty one night and like. Most of them weren't in wheelchairs. They were just saying, oh, well, I need someone with me as my carer and things like that. And they were like, we can't keep doing this. We need to work out who was abusing it. So that's what they did. Yeah. And and it, it sorted it out. Yeah, it would be ideal if every venue could like have be half accessible, but that's not ever going to happen. Um, if you've got venues where they can take seats out, for example, like I, I had this when I was in New York and I went to a theatre. Yeah the seats literally lifted out so they could get more wheelchairs in there if they needed yeah. to. And I think that's brilliant, but I haven't seen that so much over here. Yeah, I mean, I luckily, I mean, I've had that experience. So it's a uh, theatre near me. Like, it was funny. I'm sat there in my wheelchair, and it's one of them wheelchair spots where, like, because you're sat in your actual wheelchair, you feel, like, displaced because you're not quite with everyone else or like, it just didn't feel right. And then I'm sitting there in the interval, the lady's like, Oh, would you prefer to sit in a normal chair? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. If you've got one thinking, what the hell are they going to do? She just whacked out the chair, locked it in place and went, right, there you go. Sorted. I was like, Oh yeah. So it's also about like, it's also about companies being transparent of like what support they can offer. Cause some people do prefer to sit in actual seats that are provided. It's like whenever I, I find it funny when I go to the cinema, and they're like, oh, we've got these recliner seats, but do you want to park your wheelchair next to it and sit in it? No, I'm paying like 15 quid a ticket. I want to sit yeah. in the good seats. Yeah, it's and I think it's it's been having been willing to have a conversation with a venue as well. Like yeah. a brilliant example that happened to me this year was um, I went to a venue in Sheffield called the Lead Mill, which is a tiny little music venue. Um and they were having a gig. It was Def Leppard, huge arena stadium band, and it was the smallest gig they'd done for, I think, about 35 years uh, in Europe. So it was, right, tickets are going to be hard to come by. Don't know what the accessibility is going to be like. And they did have it. It was a bit weird in how you had to get the tickets. You had to buy the ticket, then apply for accessibility. If you didn't get accessibility, then you could have a refund on your ticket. Which I just thought was a little bit strange, but you know, yeah, it's a little bit awesome about face. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit extra work that didn't feel necessary. Yeah, yeah, managed to get tickets. Got in touch with them and said, "Oh, you haven't got. We can't. There isn't a space for you on the wheelchair platform." I was like, "Right." I said, "Can I still come though in my wheelchair?" Because some venues are very funny about where you go in a wheelchair. They don't like you being in the middle of a crowd for safety reasons or anything like that. And they said. If you're happy to come in, yeah, we're happy, you know, to have you just come in, find somewhere you want to be, and we'll work yep. it from there. So it gets to the venue on the night, and they had a sat like a, a queue for wheelchairs, and I think there was maybe four, fa- four people, four or five people in wheelchairs, and um, the two in front of me were both had. I think rooms on the plat. What was supposedly the platform? Basically, it was like a bit of the side of the stage. Would have yeah. had an amazing view, but the the gig was being filmed, and so they had more equipment. So the people actually on the platform ended up moving because they, they couldn't see as much as they would have liked. But the lad come up to me. It was 
uh, on charge of the door. And he said, oh, um, can I see your ticket? Showed him and I checked my name. And I said, oh, I said, I'm not on the platform. I said, but you said it was still fine. He said, oh, yeah. He said, you go find somewhere safe. I said, Do you, does that mean I can go anywhere? He said, yeah. So I was straight in, right to the front. I was right on the barrier, right at the front. And I thought, they're going to move me. And he said, yeah. and he come back and I said, am I all right here? He said, you stay there. If he said, if you feel safe enough, you stay there. And in the end, they ended up being five wheelchairs, I think it was, on the front row of this gig, which you would never normally see in a small venue. Yeah. Big band, and it was just wheelchairs on the front. And everyone behind, there was no pushing. Considering what it was like, There was it was amazing. Yeah. It was just one of the best things I've ever seen and been at. Um, and it just shows, I think, if you give a little bit, they'll give you a bit back yeah. where the venues are concerned. I think the hardest thing when it comes to going to gigs and going to festivals and doing all that is the hardest thing is that argument of if you're going in a group and you want to stay in your group, that gets very tricky because they don't allow you to be on the platform with large numbers. But then unfortunately that makes sense because I don't want to go with 10 of my mates, but then because of that 10 wheelchair users can't use the platform. It didn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then a a lot of the time, disabled people can feel like oh but that means that i don't get to be included and i'm like no you can like particularly when it comes to festivals you you don't have to be on the viewing platform and also the screens are fucking big enough that you can still see and it's all more about the atmosphere i always say yeah. like with festivals and stuff i don't really give a shit about the lineup i don't really give a shit where i am it's more about the atmosphere that's around it and i love the the sort of I just love the buzz of it. And that's the thing. Yeah. People still want to be involved in that. And you can just get off your like, oh, everything's got to be perfect for me because unfortunately that's not the world we live in. And that's no. the bit that really frustrates me. I like the, the word, that's the worst thing I've like once been in, like I found with gigs being in wheelchair, it was harder for venues to let you go to the front. I lo- there's nothing more. Yeah. I love than being at the front of a gig. Yeah. Um, and I know like, and over the like say last five ten years, I did it less and less because I had to be so careful. Because if I got knocked and I dislocated something, that's the night done for me. Like you know anything yeah. like that, and I, I I couldn't do it. And a lot of any, like most of the time, I had to sit down. And they don't like you taking stools and stuff to the front. I had arguments about that numerous times with security staff. So I for a long time I've never been at the front of a gig. Um, but then there's a venue in New like there was the one in Sheffield. But then there's a venue in Newcastle. Oh, brilliant. They just let go at the front, off you go. And they're, they're, they're sitting at the front, the security watching. There's a side door I can get outside and get to the toilet easy and things like that. It's, I just love it. It's just, it's, there's nothing better for me. It's just ma- that, like you said, it's a massive buzz. Um, the thing with, like you said, being with friends, I do get that. Like, you can't, you can't I don't think cake. you can have more than yeah. two people together yeah. on it. Yeah. Go and have your cake and eat it. That's the worst thing. It's like no. uh, it's it's one of them things like you have to choose between. And yes, it sucks that you have to do that. But like I say, it makes when you think about it logically, it makes sense. They can't go. Oh yeah, Charlie, you can have your twenty deep entourage with you, even though it then takes away spaces from other disabled people. And at the end of the day, that's what us advocates and content creators are here to do. We're here to advocate for disabled people, so we can't say. Oh, but that means that I'm away from my group. It's it's really tricky because yeah. I get it, but you there's just no way around it. Like unfortunately, like spaces just don't allow for it. No, some venues are good, like depending where the the platform is. Because like if if you can get to the side of a platform, 
your friends can stand at like on the floor at the side of it and still be yeah. talking. And I've I've done that a few times. If it, yeah. if it is, you know, spaces like you go to a smaller venue, say like one of the like the auto academies, for example, you know there's going to be a limited amount of space on that platform. Be maybe like ten wheelchair spaces, if that. Yeah. So you know you can't like take the piss and have like, oh, I'm bringing six mates with me and yeah. It's it's really tricky. It's really tricky. And as you say, it's just that whole thing about really is a case by case basis. Like I have had it on one or two occasions at festivals and stuff where I've been with. Uh, so technically, Gina's obviously my carer, and then uh, we've had one other friend with us. And they've said like, oh, it's not too busy. You're more than welcome to go up, but if it does get busy, you're gonna have to come back down. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. It's very much a case-by-case basis, but you can't allocate out those spaces because other people are going to need it. And it's, yeah. I mean, coming on to a little bit of a different topic, I think as well, like, it's important to say, like, there are loads of, like, great things that go on in the event space of, like, helping things be more accessible. Like, one thing I found last year, I went to a festival last year, and um, the guy, like, so my one of my friends, he's got sickle cell anemia, and he's the worst like accepting the fact that yes you are disabled and yes you would be able to access support he's like yeah but i can still walk i can do this so i'm like yeah but you still can't stand for extended period of time anyway so we've gone in and um he's he's notorious for overpacking so we're staying with some friends and next thing i've seen him walk around the corner and i'm like please tell me that ginormous duffel isn't coming with us to the festival because i'm like they're not going to let you in. Like, they're not, it's not going to work. Next thing you know. So, anyway, so I've gone through, all fine. The bloke's like checking me in. He's the access guy and he's like, oh, if you need any support, let me know. Um, and anyway, I can, I can see my mates behind me and he's getting hassled by the guy because he's got this big bag. And then I've explained to my guy saying, look, he's got sickle cell anemia. Is there anything you can do to help him? Because basically, I told a bit of a white lie and it's technically true for those who are sickle cell is they need to keep warm and they need to make yeah. sure that they regulate their temperature correctly. So I was like, he's got like stuff with him to help him stay like at the appropriate temperature and make sure he doesn't overexert. <laughs> Guys got over, got over within two seconds. Like, no, no, no. He's with me. And let it all come through. And I was like, that's great. And then the other thing as well is, so I had, uh, umbrella, it was due to absolutely tip down. And we had these, um, golf umbrellas with us. Because the problem was, I was sat there yeah. like, okay, I've got got my front wheel attachment. And I was like, it's okay if it gets wet, but like getting absolutely soaked, probably not ideal. So I was like, I'll, t- I'll bring these with us, then we can protect it with anything else. So the, originally the guy, like the, one of the guys starts going, oh, you can't bring those in because we can use weapon. And then the guy comes over and he says, oh, like, is it for accessibility? So then I explain, yes, yeah, protects my attachment, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, I can't let you carry them around the event with you. But I can keep them in the medical tent for you. And when you need them, you can come get them and whatever else. I was like, oh, great. And he even took the ginormous stuff and was like, I will keep this with me. If you need anything from it, just come grab me and we'll sort it out for you. And those situations, see, this is where I'm like, things are getting so much better because like, literally, if you're able to explain properly and someone's willing to listen, you can get so much more support. And that means that the events so much more enjoyable yeah and like you say you just got to be willing to explain willing to talk willing to listen um and sometimes willing to relax like if you can be a bit yeah. more relaxed like going into an event i think yeah. you don't and you're not putting barriers up straight away going like with an attitude of 
right, there's going to be a problem and I'm going to argue yeah. it. You don't always need to do that. Like, yeah, yeah. I th- yeah. I th- I've not really had many negative issues. And, like, nah. it's a point of contact, I- like, for the listeners. Like, I go to, like, a, nearly a gig a week. Like, yeah. through, like, an average of a year, I probably don't want a week. Um, and so I'm kind of, you would think the percentage-wise of what I've got, you would expect more issues, but Problems, I just yeah. don't see them. But then I have the same argument, like, when I think of travel. Like, I don't buy any show, I'm not a jet-setter, I don't go on a, a lot of travel, but over the course of my life, I've done a fair bit of travel considering my age. And all these people getting, oh, my chair's been mangled, my gizmo's been mangled, this, that, the other, and I'm like... I, I I mean, I've, I've been just exceptionally lucky or I actually don't know what it is because like, I can say wholeheartedly that I've, yes, I've had to wait longer for stuff. I've had to explain stuff and I've had those sort of like unnecessary delays, but like I've never got to a place and my equipment's been made. Well, yes, there's been occasions where I'm looking at my wheelchair going, hmm. That scratch wasn't there before, but at the end of the day, it's a flipping wheelchair. It's going to get, it's going to get scratched. It's going to get scuffed. So I kind of look and go. You see what they do with suitcases? Like you know, something's yeah. going. Yeah. So like, but I just don't know what it is. But then also, it's like like we were saying the other day because we were on a call, and it's about controlling what you can. So like, so when yeah. when you book booking an event, phone up, see what you can find out, give them all the details you need. My best piece of advice for anyone going to events is just have a bit of your, have your pick letter saved onto your Google Drive. So then you've got it on your phone, your book, booking tickets. You can literally ping it in an email and it takes seconds. Like I've even got like, I'm the, I, this is how much of a prep freak I am. I've got copies of my blue badge, copies of my pick letters, copies of like all of my measurements that I need for flying. I've got like photo evidence of different things and it's, just about having that information to hand as well. Like big thing I would say is make sure they're on some like cloud storage because then if you're ever in a situation and you've got to pull it up quickly, it's a lot easier than going, oh shit, that's on my laptop at home. It's a whole thing. So that would be my thing is just have that, have like a, have almost a folder to say, this is all my documentation because I know it sucks. But then as well, if you have that information to hand, it takes seconds. Yeah. And it, and like like I, I kind of touched on it about like trying to be relaxed when you go to a venue as well, right? I'm the world's worst, and like, and a lot of people know me find it very strange. But I am my anxiety. I have really bad anxiety, um, and if I'm going to a venue I've never been to before, my anxiety is horrendous. I'm sat on the toilet for so long before we set off. I've even got to stop somewhere on on the way, and my anxiety just goes through the roof. Once I get there and I, I'm in, it's absolutely mm-hmm. fine. But on the on the journey, oh, it's 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 shocking. I'm, it's just... I'm the same when it comes to travelling. As soon as I get through check in, then I settle down. But before that, I'm bloody chaos. Because yeah. like we went away recently for my sister's wedding, and we went like there was twelve of us. And the problem is, where me, me, my family have done quite a bit of travelling. So then my mum often takes the lead. She's the one that's like, she has all the passports and everything else. But the problem is, I now, I've now travelled quite a lot independently, which then means I have my own systems. I know what questions they're going to ask. I now travel with the attachment, which brings its own set of questions. So the worst thing is, I'm sat there going, just let me do the talking. She's like, no, 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 I know, no, no. And I'm like, just honestly, just. But then it turns into a whole kerfuffle. Right? The worst thing it means, if I'm travelling, just give me control. Like, just give me control. Yeah. I'll get everyone through. And also I've come to the conclusion 
because of that weekend that if I ever go traveling in a big group, I'm pairing people up and you stay with your pair. You don't say that you get to the desk and there's 12 of you because it just causes chaos. So you travel as your twos and that's it. <laughs> but yeah, well, it's like you... the, the anxiety part of it is horrible. Like the yeah. constantly worrying, is everything in place? Like then also then when it comes to traveling, then mine all kicks up because I'm like, is the hotel going to be as accessible as they say it is? Like, it's just a whole thing. So I completely relate to that. I get it. I don't get it as much as gigs because I'm like, look, there's a, like, there's a very, in my head, there's a very small scale of things can go wrong. So I'm like, okay, it's like, I'm not going to get stranded in Cambodia yeah. by going to the O2. So that, that's my thought process, but I can completely relate to it. My, my biggest one now, and I've seen other people like really with this, uh, it's a new new thing, really. Over the, I would say, like the last maybe eighteen months, two years, is getting ticket anxiety because ticket most anxiety. tickets now are digital. And oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm, that's where I'm, I've tr- my mum has trained me beyond belief. I've got like paper copies. I've got PDF downloads. I've got screenshots. I've got. Um, See, I've got like that, bank, bank but, statements. I've got the lot yeah. saying, look, I, I have ordered a ticket and I can show you every bit of evidence you're ever going to need. Yeah. Ticketmaster have brought this new stupid thing is of a live ticket. I don't know if you've seen this. No. Where it's got a live barcode, so you can't screenshot it. Oh, that's... It has like a line that yeah. goes across, so you have Ugh. to have that there. And it's like... And I was at a gig not about a fortnight ago and literally everyone was stood at the door trying to get a signal because there was just no yeah, signal yeah that's the worst thing with it's digital like, tickets like i don't trust digital boarding passes like don't get me wrong i love yeah. like if, if you anyone knows me they know i'm a complete tech head like i think google pay is the best thing that anyone's ever created <laughs> i think artificial intelligence is brilliant i think anything that you can like automate is fantastic but when it comes to like tickets, I'm like, no, I'm having paper copies, digital copies, PDF downloads, absolutely everything. <laughs> but like back to like when you were first saying about like it has its perks as well. It really does. Like the yeah. early entry is usually one. Yep. So you can yep. get depending where you are, you get a better viewing. Yeah. Like the viewing platforms are usually really good. More venues now are doing like in drink service if you're on a wheelchair platform, so you don't even have to go and queue at the bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and depending on the venue, you end up getting like access towards the bands because like they, they have to come past you or like yeah. you you get yeah, like you yeah. said like you said about going to the VIP area, you you just get more chance of that as well. Yeah, that is that, and also like most of the time, I mean, the UK. I know it's very different in the US, but in the UK, you get. Um, a free carrier ticket, which doesn't sound like yeah. a lot because obviously we do need the support and it's there for a reason. But then also a lot of the time, like for people like yourself and me, we travel with our partners, which are the people that we're going with anyway. And if we're not, we're normally going with a friend that is able to support us with our needs. So then that's a cost-saving element. And particularly when you roll that out into like a festival context, when oh, everything's yeah. like 200 quid a ticket and you're essentially getting half price, there are some amazing yeah. benefits. Um, not only that, like I oh. think as well, when it comes to the platforms and stuff, a lot of them have um, charging stations for anyone that's using electrical equipment, which is massive. There's just a lot more like 
the support staff don't get enough credit because they're around a lot more than they were when I first started going to gigs. A lot of the time it was like you got there and no one knew what to do with you. But now they yeah. are a lot more supportive. Plus as well, coming back to the, because the most positive experiences I've had has been festivals. The other benefits are, we it wasn't rolled out when I was going of the in-drink service, but the one thing that was available was the straight to the front of the queue service, which is great when you're 20 of you and everyone else has got a queue, but you haven't. So I'm wandering up going, yeah, can I get 20 ciders and 15 beers, please? And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah. And then I've sat there like, all right, you lot, can someone help me carry this? It's got to have its perks, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. I, even um, like just before we are talking, when I was saying about going to Silverstone for the like MotoGP, I, yeah. Last year I went, and on the Sunday on the rest on the main rest day, I'd, I'd uh, won um, a grid tour, like yep. a, not a grid tour, sorry, a paddock tour. Um, and you you went and you were put into groups with so many other people through like who were doing the paddock tours, and you were given and guided tour around the paddock, and you mm-hmm. could see like the more homes and all that sort of stuff, and you yep. would see some of the riders. And I was in the group. There was me and Ali. And then I think there was a group of four or five lads, all probably in the mid to late 40s, maybe a bit older, proper cockneys, like proper lad lads. And they were having a laugh. And we were in this group and we were having a bit of a laugh. And one of them, and this is the, and you've heard me talk about how I think, you know, how as a male, you're treated differently to females. We're about to, we'll we'll get onto that. (laughs) And I just, and then this, in this bit, uh, we were walking down, and there was a a big like truck, and it was where certain stuff would get like if leathers got torn and mm. things like that. That's where everything went to get mended, and there was like a half a barrier up to stop you going and looking in it. And one of the lads just said, "I want to look in there," and just grabbed hold of my chair, started and pushed me up up the side of this thing so we could both see it. And he's going. Well, they're not going to fucking chuck you out, are they? So we did just feeling around the back. And I was like, what the? But I was just killing myself laughing. It's the first and only time anyone's ever pushed me without, like, yeah. <laughs> just, it was yeah. so funny. Although that's like, I won't condone random people pushing you. I'm not, I'm not there for it. But in those, the thing is as well, it's always, with that argument, it's always a very case by case basis again of like, the thing is, if it's like, if you can see, it's always like we said with the whole, we've all said with the like being what's the word, negative about your disability, but in like a comedy sense, yeah. it's all about the context of it. So like in that situation, you know, the guy didn't mean any harm. He was just joking around and it's not like, I'm pretty sure if you were like, whoa, 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 stop. Yeah. Then they would have stopped. But like, yeah, he yeah, would have stopped. And, and it was just, I found it funny, but like you said, other people wouldn't. Um, and I, like, if anyone did that in the street, if I was just waving down, like, the street, yeah, someone did it, I would go absolutely nuts. But in that, I think, like you say, I think it's always looking it's at context. the context. Yeah. yeah. Like, in that situation, I would have been the exact same. I would have been absolutely creasing. I would have... Uh, I just... The worst thing is, I probably... The worst thing is being a ginger. You got... In those situations, you just go bright red. So I'm a dead giveaway yeah. of, like... I am either, I'm absolutely mortified finding this hilarious or just want the ground to swallow me up by dead giveaway. My face is bright red. But yes. you've just got, you've literally just for, for the using a pun, you've just got to roll with it. You've just got to let yeah. it happen. I think sometimes. And 
see the funny side to it because if as long as there is like you can do that, I think it makes a massive difference as well. Yeah, and also it's like we always say of like this thing of of almost everything being a problem within the several community. I think a lot of it comes down to context. A lot of it is down to what situation it happens in. Like we said, both of us would never condone someone grabbing hold of us in the street. But in those situations, I know like you can't say, oh, but why is that person allowed and that person's not? It's like, but they're two very different scenarios. And obviously as well, it's all down to what the person's comfortable with. It's just such a... Yeah, I can't. It's like, it's like the whole thing around like language and things like that. Like my, like my closest friend, like we grew up together and whatever. He he always has referred to me since since I was probably yeah diagnosed. As he calls me, he always calls me his special friend. Like because that was and he's like, oh, you're my special yeah. friend. And like, <laughs> but I can see the joke in that, and we've always yeah. been like that. Now, yep. if someone else called me that, I'd be like, fuck off. What do you, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. You think yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's about the context. Yeah. It's like that whole thing of like, it's that really awkward thing of people will see me and my friends out and like they're hearing the banter fly around and everything. And you always get that one idiot that wants to join in. You're like, ooh, mm. Like the worst thing is I take a very like easy approach to that of like, I'm going to explain to you why that's an issue. But I'm not yeah. going to make you feel really bad about it. Like some people would absolutely lose it and be like, "How dare you call me that? How dare you say that to me?" Blah blah blah. But then at the end of the day, they're going off of what they've heard. But then also, then it says like, "Oh, but then you shouldn't be talking about yourself in that way." And I'm like, I have complete freedom about how I talk about myself and how my friends yeah. talk about me because it all depends on context. It's just it all folds around this little box of just just. Take every case as it comes to, we were talking about before we came in, like I, as of recording, um, I recently posted a post about like, does disability make, uh, does that disability have effects on your masculinity? So for example, does it make you less of a man because of your disability? Now, a lot of people go, oh, but masculinity is a big like problem in itself. It shouldn't even be a thing anymore. And it's like, the thing is, people need to remember there are positives to most situations. Like there are positives to masculinities and there are negatives to masculinities. So like it's all about like I'm not saying like everything to do with masculinity is great and I'm not saying that everything's terrible. It's finding that middle ground and again it's about context. But coming on to that topic, I folded that in because we'd had the discussion before of like it's really tricky when it comes to ma- being a man and having a disability and identifying as a man and wanting that like stereotypical alpha energy about you. It's yeah, yeah really, really weird. It's really weird to try and phrase because it's like, I don't want to be that meathead. Like, no, my bitch stays at home. She does this. I, I don't want to do that. Like no one needs that. No one ever needs that. No. I was raised by very strong women, but in terms of like, um, the whole like masculinity when it comes to disability there is that thing of like wanting to be the provider wanting to feel like you're providing to the relationship and the and being somewhat the man of the relationship if that makes sense yeah it's like, like really you know, hard to phrase it's like point like being to do something basic like put up a shelf for example or yeah like something yeah. like that. i can't do 
I'm absolutely useless with anything like that. And I've always just put yeah. that down to me being clumsy, which I am. I have horrendous hand dexterity and things like that. <laughs> and that so I kind of like just leave that to to Ali. I, like she does yeah. anything like that. And like my mates will take the mick out of that. But then at the same time, I think I am probably in a lot of ways one of the least masculine looking blocks. Like, you know. Pink trainers. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm in a bright pink wheelchair. I always have pink shoes on. Um, I am, yeah, I am definitely not what you call like an alpha male, a mask, like you know. Yeah, it's, and I'm very. I would say I, I, yeah, I'm just not masculine in that sense. But with my sex educator's head on, I'm doing like from a work point of view, the whole thing of like we need to be talking about positive masculinity because like there's so much about toxic masculinity like with with the things like mm-hmm. Andrew Tate and how we treat women yeah. And, yeah and porn's got a problem with that and things like that yeah and we need yeah. we need more positive male role models yeah and I think that goes for disability as well like growing up there was like I, I can't really ever never see many disabled people on telly full stop growing up um yeah Mick Scarlett's one of maybe a few I can remember. Um, yeah. And I used to see him on things. Um, but there's just not many yeah, yeah. male role models for, like, disabled young lads yeah. growing up and thinking, well, yeah. I can be like, like, apart from going for the sporting ones, obviously, like, you know, the Paralympians, I think yeah. that's the only yeah. way. You don't yeah. see, like, just in general society. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, a lot of the time, masculinity gets wrapped up in this whole gym head, fitness freak, that whole space. And obviously being part of that, there is that element of it. And I think as well, like for a disabled man, having that thought process of like, how can I still be the man of the relationship? It's also about like showing what there's other tasks that you take over. Like one of my, Gina, we had this conversation about a year ago of like, Gina was like, why do you, like, why do you never let me drive? Now, first reason is because she, my car is relatively new being, being a mobility car. So my air conditioning actually works. So that's one of the key reasons. Anyway. And then the other reason is the, like the thing of it's my like contribution. So I always want to drive because then it's like, it's my, my job that I do. Yeah. And obviously that does come from my family because my dad is the main driver and everything else. But then also it's my, like, this is a job that I can do. So like one thing that people find really surprising is I, when my parents are away, I do the majority of the cooking. Now the cleaning, different question. <laughs> I'm shit at cleaning. However, I can cook a good meal. And uh, so that, that those two are my like main contributions. Now, if you ask some people, they're like, Oh, but like, Cooking tradition is a female task. And I'm like, yeah, but then again, look at the majority of good chefs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> it's, 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 it's more, like I say, it's less about masculinity and it's just about being able to provide in the relationship. And, and like, so then it's not a one size fit, like a one sided thing because a lot of people, when it comes to disabilities and relationship, it's like, oh, she's just your carer or he's just your carer or whatever it might be. And it's about getting away from that. And I think that, what is where it comes into masculinity and feminism and and i think as well it happens on i'd imagine i don't know i'd imagine it happens on both sides of like there are some feminine more feminine traditionally feminine tasks that female disabled people struggle with because they're like oh i should be able to do this but i can't 
Yeah, and, and I mean, think, like cooking will be one of them a lot of the time. For example, if someone like has like has problems with the hands and things like that, they're not mm-hmm. maybe going to be able to cook. And yeah. I think we, I, th- I think we've become we've got to in society, and I, I, this is something I do in some of like my sex education work. Is I think we need to try and get rid of some of these stereotypes and things that like you kind of and gender norms. Like for, like yeah. for me, like obviously my big one is like the whole thing about pink. You know, like you say, bright pink wheelchair, bright pink trainers. Yeah. What annoys me is that if I want to buy pink trainers as a rule, I have to buy women's trainers. Luckily, I have small feet, you know, so it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I've even bought kids' trainers for I, I like I have a size six show. It has its perks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get you. I, I get you. And I think as well, it's like, it's like you say, it's coming away from those like gender. So, so I was like, I've ne- like, I, I grew up in, I suppose, on my daddy's. You, I, you class him as quite masculine because he's a builder. He's this, that, the other, anywhere else. But then he was never like I was never brought up in a space where like, oh, you can't wear pink or like I. I think if I came home with like painted nails, dad might take a double take. But then he just kind of go, mm, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, sure. Crack on. It's like with my hair. Like I'll come in with like plaits, and particularly when I did London Fashion Week, I came in with really tight plaits. Yeah, and he looked at me and was like they look a bit painful. And I was like, no, yeah, they're fine. But other than that, like, he'll make a slight comment, but there's never that, like, like, obviously him being more of a traditional man's man. It's never, like, it's never weird. And I think that's more of the environment. Because I think as well, there's nothing wrong with keeping hold of some masculine values and keeping that alive. Yeah. It's just about having a fluidity to it of, like, you don't have to conform to this. If this is what you want to conform to, Sure, if you want to be your traditional gentleman, do the whole opening doors thing, do that, sure. But, like, no one has to. No. It, it's funny because the amount of people who just assume that I'm gay when they see the pink chair. I had someone come yeah. up to me uh, yeah. a few weeks ago and they were like, uh, they talked to me because like, we, uh, we were at a wedding and we were talking to this couple. And it, then he was like, he said to me, he said, uh, do you mind if I ask? And I was like, all right. He says, are you... Uh, and I, I knew what he was trying, and he just wouldn't say it. And he was like, and I just I was like, thought, also, it's the way that no one knows what to say. They want to say, are you gay? Are you a homosexual? Are you this, that? Just, well, why, why is it such a taboo thing? Like, yeah. yes, I, I am a gay man. Like, And I was like, and I knew what he was trying to say, and I just went, no, I'm not gay. And, like, yeah. and he was like, Oh, even I've, he said, I've even got more respect for you then because he said you that you've got the balls to wear something and like be like yeah. in the pink chair. Yeah, and it's like yeah. I don't see it like that. But then at the same time, I always I've always said like I, I used to wear pink splints and things before I was in my chair because I always have the attitude if someone wants to stop and stare, give them something to look at. Yeah, and that I is think my. I yeah, I have the same when it comes to like people like I don't have I'm leaning towards it. I'm normally Mr. Black, but I'm slowly leaning yeah. to wanting to co- sort of t- dip my toe into your sector of the world and have like a statement color pair of shoes. But like I think it's for me, it came from a lot more of like wanting to make sure that I was wearing fashionable stuff. I presented really well. Like I think one of my funniest stories I've always brought up on the podcast of like someone once came up to me and was like, you dress quite well for a disabled person. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? But then also, like, that's almost what I wanted of, like, people yeah. to get this stereotype out of their head that, like, we just go out in whatever our parents dress us in and whether that be a luminous yellow or a luminous orange, <laughs> who knows? 
but like yeah it's, so that i think that is that's another thing when it comes to masculinity of like it it doesn't actually when it more we're talking about this more it's like no people just need to be able to like feel presentable and comfortable in their own skin and that's that's more what we really need to get to if people want to be an alpha be an alpha but if you don't yeah. want to be an alpha you don't have to be an alpha no i think it's just being comfortable with what you are um yeah. not around like sexuality around your gender and obviously it's such a big thing in like today's society about like you know around the trans arguments and things like that for me be whatever you want to be you know and as long as you're comfortable in yourself, I think that's the thing. And like, yeah, that is the big thing. Yeah, and like that is one thing. The first time I bought a pair of pink trainers, I was like, "What?" Are pe- I was like, "Yeah, I'm not bought- like I, I kind of I had that yeah. thing of, oh, what are people going to think?" And then it's like, I think I must have bought my first pair of pink trainers like ten years ago, and that's all you ever see me in. I'm, I'm just at the point now I'm ordering a bright pair of pink glittery cowboy boats because i'm just thinking yeah. i want a pair <laughs> love it love it i read do you know what i really want i really want them. i can't find them anywhere i can't find one i'm happy with i really want like a purple pair of like military boots i don't know why i really want a purple pair but it's because i've got like the purple wheels i'm like i really that's where i want to step into the whole statement pair of shoes but they're really hard yeah. to fucking find <laughs> surely someone like doc martens do a pair of purple boats but the problem is like dog eyes like so i looked at the timberland ones we're going on a yeah. very weird tangent here on the podcast so i apologize but the 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 problem is with the timberland ones i love a pair of tims but they have this weird like brown bit on the top and i'm like no 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 if you're gonna do it i want it all purple i want the lot i just and then with the like um with the doc mines they're very they're a very deep purple and it almost looks like blackified and it's not quite what I was shooting for. Whereas I want a statement. I want a statement pair of shoes. But then I think, coming back to like the argument of people being themselves as well. It's that whole thing of like, as like I said earlier, I don't want to get to a space where being a, being masculine is a bad thing or being your traditional masculine is a bad thing. Because there are definitely like, there are definitely some perks. Like I'm pretty sure you, like some females enjoy the whole Making sure the doors open for yeah. them, making sure that they, they pay for the first day. But then that, but it's all about not making sure that these are like you have to. These are ones like this might be how Charlie operates. This isn't how they, you know. It just accepts that people are fucking different. Like people can't seem to wrap their head around that. No, and I think there's like once you bring gender, like different age groups into it, and uh, also like. Where you where you brought up, like I think that, like yeah. again, you've got like north south divides and things like that. You, it's yeah. all things that are very plain to this. Like you know, like a, for example, like a proper man's man. Like if you talk to someone like in the sixties, seventies, for example, for like a cock, a proper cock, he was a proper man's man, and like you know, yeah, that is yeah, very. Yeah. And like even people that I know from up here, like being in like in like an area where there's a lot of mining villages and such like that. Very much, I have people that I know that are still very much like, you know, you go to work, you go to the pub, you go home, your dinner's on the table, you know, and still have that mindset where other people aren't like that at all. It's, yeah. I read, I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I I quite like the the position I find myself in of like, I don't have this whole view of like, I get, I should get home, Gina should have my dinner cooked for me. Uh, I don't have that whole thing. I think mine more comes in, like I say, it's that whole being able to claim certain responsibilities as mine. Like one of my things, not so much now because we've been dating for so long, 
But particularly when we first started dating, my thing was like, no, 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 I'm going to pay. And people get really funny about this whole argument of like, should the male pay? But it's, the, it's that whole thing of like, if that's what makes like the male happy, let him fucking do it. If not, like, just open up the communication. I just don't know. Uh, but but that's a whole right, other... this, this is a really weird thing. So to give it context, me and Ali, a bit, me and Ali have been together nearly like 24 years. Yeah. It has only been since I've been in my wheelchair. So we're talking getting on for 18 months. When we ever go out now, the amount of times I've been asked if I want to, we want to split the bill if we're paying separately. I've never had that until I've been in my wheelchair and we go, we were in London and some, a few, a couple of months ago and it happened everywhere we went. It was like, oh, do you want, are you paying separately? It was like, no, (laughs) no, of course not. It's like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like this whole thing, but I think that all stems. That doesn't necessarily stem from masculinity. That all stems from oh, she must be your carer. Yeah, that that's where that all stems from. Oh, yeah. in, my, in my case, it, she must be your sister. Yeah, I just mm, just yeah. yeah, that's a whole other argument of like I I just need I just need it tattooed on my forehead of like we are not brother and sister. I just think that's also, it, that is mainly down to the hair color though. That is that's where that. Goes. But then. On the flip side, I wouldn't get as much amusement because I get so much amusement out of PDA when it comes to me and Gina because I clock that people think that we're brothers. Like, you can see it in someone's face. They're like... <laughs> and then you just sprinkle a little PDA in there and the whole thing takes a weird turn. Yeah. But, like, back on the masculinity thing, I think... I don't know if sometimes, like, what your job is as well has, a, a like, a thing on yeah. it. Like, we, like... When I was just in the sex tie industry, that was kind of more of a masculine job than what I do now, like with the education side and things. The more, yeah. more the, like the sex tie industry is very male dominated, and it's um, mm. which is bizarre, really, considering most of the custom is female. But it, it's still a very male dominated area. Um, mm. But now in the education, it's the in like in the sex education work, it's completely the other way. Yeah. It's because there's that whole traditional thing of traditionally uh, female are more of the teaching type. Yeah. Which, again, is another bit of stupid masculinity of, like, you can be a good teacher, male. Like, it's it's ridiculous. But it's, yeah, it is really interesting. It's, it's that, but like, that's another thing as well. Like, Gina gets it a lot with her work, obviously. He, Gina works within Purple Goat. And one of the things we had once was that as soon as someone finds out it's a disability-focused brand, it's like, oh, is it a charity? So that's a, it's another argument of almost like, for want of a better word, disabled isn't like it's just like this whole theory that people it, with like anything involving disabilities they don't make decent amount of money or it's not a viable business or X Y. So, but then I think that also then comes into the whole thing of um, like working as a disabled person. There's almost that con- uh, misconception of like, oh, you must work for a charity or you must work part time or it must be voluntary work or like it uh, it bamboozles people. I think as well that in in mine and Gina's relationship, I'm the finance person, so I'm the one doing fucking weird calculations in my head. Going, oh, if we do this, then we can borrow this. Then we can do this. Then we can do this. Gina's just sat there like, uh, okay, I think I get what you mean. But then, but then it's all to do with the stereotypes that are placed on us, and I think yeah. that's the whole argument of of mas- masculinity, but and toxic masculinity. It's more just if someone wants to be 
a t- more of a traditional male, as long as they're not hurting anyone, let them crack on. Like, yeah, I think it's all about how they do it. If they want to be like, you know, as long as like toxic masculinity, the whole thing of, you know, the whole thing of like men seeing women as an object and thing like that, that needs to be got rid of. That definitely needs yes, to be got rid of. Yes, yes, but yes. being an alpha male in the sense of, I want to be the breadwinner. Um, mm-hmm. And if like the partner wants to stay at home and look after kids, there's still, there is still like, I, I find it's, it when I'm doing it, work, it, sessions, it, there's still people who want to do that. They want to yeah, be yeah. Like, It's just crazy that like people can't just accept that. Like, like cause that's the thing. I want to be a breadwinner, but I'd never turn around Gina and be like, stop working. No, I, it's just not a conversation that we'd have because so I'm very much like, as I say, uh, in my family and with my parents, both of my parents have always worked and I, and like both of them have had very successful careers, but my mum was the one that was at home more, but that was just because of the way the jobs lined up. And it was just like, people can't seem to get this whole thing of like, oh, but if you want to be a masculine, then you've got to like, you've got to have a housewife or you've got to be the breadwinner. You've got to be able to change a light bulb. And it's like, why do we always have, why, why does it have to be this perfect little like box of, yeah. you have to do these things. Whereas like, I quite like that. Like, I think I've taken more of the positive parts of like, of being, of being, being masculine. Of Like I say, for me it is, I still try and make sure that if, we are going out for dinner on occasion. I make sure that I pay the bill, but that's just my little, like, it's my little nod to myself of like, yeah, you're doing a good job. Like, but that's the really stupid self-talk that we have. Yeah. But it's just those little things that work for each individual. Like I say, with the driving thing, that's my little thing. Yeah. I, I, I completely get that. Cause I do all the driving and I completely get that. Um, I don't know if I had like a slightly different outlook on it because like growing up, I used to get so much grief off my friends because my dad had what was classed as a woman's job. My dad was a nurse. My mum okay. were both nurses. But in the like eighties, male yeah. nursing wasn't really a, a big thing. thing. And yeah. yeah, and my my mates would at school, I say mates, but people I went to school with would be like, Your dad does a woman's job. You know, mm-hmm. your dad's a nurse. Full, full context from my side of like that's where my belief system of disabled uh, men can't be nurses was when I had my surgery in America, I had an ex-NFL player as my nurse. And Jesus Christ, he was a mountain of a man. Like, it was crazy. And then he's rocking up like, yeah, can I take your blood pressure? You were right for painkillers. I'm sitting there like, hmm, <laughs> this doesn't fit my 12-year-old's lens. No, I, I, think, I think if you had, it, I think you would now as well, though, with a lot, I think you would have, I think go back 10 years, I think if you'd been in that situation, you would have that thing of a male nurse would probably 90% chance of being gay as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. But it's like this whole thing going on in the football world of like the fact that only like a handful of people have come out as gay. And I'm like, what the fuck? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, I mean, it does make sense because people are fucking stupid in terms of like the way they treat people. But you're telling me in that amount of men, there's not more people that are gay? Yeah. That is just... I... It is doubt... That, again, it's a masculinity thing, I think, in a way, because they know they're going to get so much abuse coming out. It, and, like, th- there will definitely be players who are gay but are too frightened to come out. And that, that 
that mm. is a really bad reflection of society. Place. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a horrible place that society finds itself in because it's like it's like this whole do you know thing that's really stupid with men, like particularly these. This often happens with men's men of like the whole argument of oh, you find out your friend's gay, and the first thing they're like is oh, don't hit on me. You're a fucking you're an idiot. <laughs> but it, it's the whole thing about how many of like when you when you see all these things about people being done for trolling and things like that. Mm. They're always men. <laughs> it's nearly always yeah. men of yeah. a certain age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's always like, it's always a weirdo. Like, I remember I had one the other day that, uh, pop, it was, no, this was quite a while ago. Um, it was something I like, my, sort of, I don't know why he's with him. She, he can't stand up. And I'm like, I mean, factually factually incorrect, but sort of correct. I, I a style for effort, but then I'm also like, where is the thought process here, bro? Like, take me on the journey. I want to learn. <laughs> like, it's just, and like you say, it's always like, it's always straight. It comes across as very male energy, and it comes, and it's always one guy who's got like a flipping minion as his profile photo. Or something ridiculous, so like a wolf head, or yeah. like it's never like a person. It's never like you can sit there and go, "Do you know what?" To be fair, if someone comments that and it has like an actual profile photo, I will respect you a hundred times more. <laughs> but you say you have, like you say, sometimes you kind of want to, you want to kind of drag the conversation out to see how far it can go. You don't want to give yeah. people the time, but then you kind of think, <laughs> "How much can I poke this bear? How much can I yeah. like?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear it's just uh, uh coming on more of like your work in the um sex educate industry and particularly your work in the uh sex toy space how have you seen that change because you've been in it quite a while like in terms of disability and sex like it's still a very taboo subject it's one of mine mine and gina's top performing content because everyone's a fucking weirdo yeah um but yeah <laughs> It's I changed so much because like when I when I first got into the industry, and like I think I told the story on the first episode about the rubber duck, yeah. Um, and products then they were just so so inaccessible most of it, and mm. it's getting better. It, it it's nowhere near where it needs to be. There is there's so many products that still come to market that for anyone with hand dexterity issues to start with, they're, they're just no good. And that can be down to packaging, mm. it can be down to how the charge, it can be down to the buttons. Um, I think the biggest change, or the two biggest changes, I would say, that there is more female influence in the industry now, which is a good thing. And, yeah. And that's how it should be. Um, and then the other one is obviously technology is playing a massive part now. Um, yeah. And I, well, the, the third one as well, which is still definitely not there, is the taboo around toys for men there's still a massive yeah, issue where toys had, for men are concerned yeah we had this conversation when you were on the first episode like i, I as a disabled man and as just a man in general right in my head i was very naive of like yeah it, it's they say it's a female dominated market and i just assumed that most of the products were for females like obviously there's the more traditional ones that People do know half a male, like everyone knows their cock rings for men. But, like, that's pretty much the strength of what most people know of male sex toys. So, like, as I say, it's 
weird that there is such a taboo, but then also I think as well it's not really publicised, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know how you'd go about publicising it because people no. still get weird so, about a Durex advert on the telly, but... Yeah. Like, there's more and more sex toy adverts on the telly, like Love Honey or spending a fortune yeah. on advertising. You see more on that. And weirdly, like, I was having this conversation with Ali yesterday. I can't believe how many adverts now for Viagra and alternatives there is literally yeah, on the telly yeah, all yeah. the time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the stigma around – I think the stigma around male sex toys is twofold. One is back to the masculinity thing. A lot of a lot yeah, of lads that I speak yeah. to were like, no, my hand's enough or I've got a partner – I don't need to masturbate, or and, and a yeah. lot of men still won't admit they masturbate, you know, things like that. Um, but the products over the years haven't helped either. Like for what I call like a fleshlight, a vulva on a stick, or any of them sort of ties, a lot of men don't want to use that. And like obviously, there's always been the stigma around sex dolls for like, the, especially like over the back, yeah, yeah. back like 10, 15 years when they were just inflatable. Yeah, yeah. Like now, some of the toy, like the sex dolls, are amazing. The yeah. technology and everything. Yeah, we were talking about it before. But I can't imagine many men admitting to wanting to use one. I think as well, it's interesting because I think that some of it comes from like the reaction of their partners. Yeah. Like I think, I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine it's a little bit more accepted in the in the gay space. But then, like, I, like when I think about it as me, like, I'll be fully transparent. When I think about me, I think it's that having that conversation with Gina of being like, what do you think about giving this a go? And it's just that whole thing. It's a really stupid conversation because I've always said, like, it, when it comes to disabilities and relationships, it should be open communication. Yeah. You should be able to say anything, do anything, laugh about it, whatever. So then it's funny in my head that, like, that's a block where I'm like, but then I think it does. It does come into that masculinity thing of, like, oh, I don't need a toy, I don't need this, I don't need that, but actually it's like more of like a explorative thing of, oh, I found this new thing that is quite cool, it's different. And also the other thing as well, a lot of the time it's just something new, and that's what makes it interesting, because yeah. it's something new. <laughs> like when I'm doing some like my sex education classes with adults and such, and you will talk to people like in their 40s and 50s, and they, the thought of using a sex toy at all like in a relationship they f- they'll still find like a lot of men re- don't want to use like a toy with their partner they won't like use like they wouldn't want to use a vibrator on the partner or anything like that because they feel it takes away from their masculinity yeah i think and, that's where it all comes yeah. from i think that it is that i think it's all this whole thing of oh but then a machine's taking over from me and and that means that then i'm not providing but then i think that all comes into the same stupid argument that we're having with artificial intelligence at the moment so, I mean, I do get it. Like, I, I, I have some of those thoughts myself of, like, I think as well as a disabled man, it does come into it a bit more because it's wanting to keep hold of that, like, masculine part of it of, like, no, I do this. Yeah. And, and like, I think that's the other fear as well, is that whole thing of, oh, is it going to take away from, I think, yeah, take away from that. Because I think a lot of disabled people get, like, a, I don't know what the word is. But like they get like a kick out of being still being able to do that and still yeah. being able to provide that because that's big. Like I, I remember even as like eighteen year old Charlie, the fact that I could still do it was like, whoa, okay, yeah, and like, yeah. and I still have that now. I'm like, yeah, but I can, yeah, but still, yeah. I can still do that. And I think that's the whole stupid argument that we have of like people want to keep hold of this whole no, but I can do that, and they want to almost showcase it, even though we don't showcase it. We're not gonna. A lot of us won't 
showcase it because we're not comfortable doing that. I am like um, one of the biggest advocates for telling people to do sex toys, and like I will, and I, I like when I had my shop. I would, and obviously I specialized in products that were accessible. I would have so many conversations. Mm-hmm. I still do about like with disabled people who say, Oh, well, what product would you recommend? Or do you think I should? And like, I just love saying to someone, like, try this or do this. And then they come back to you and say, Oh, it made such a difference. Cause it can just be the littlest thing. It can be like using something simple like a, a cock ring, just putting it on, like taking a disposable cock ring, putting it on two of your fingers, just like to give you a vibration in your hand. Why, like when massaging or pleasuring your partner. Yeah, it's so simple, and it, it's a quick way. To, yeah. Like the worst thing I, I've always found is, especially with te- as technology comes in, products are getting more expensive. I don't like the thought of saying to someone, "Buy this three hundred pound product; it's going to be a life changer." For them to turn around and say, "It was crap." It was shit. So I always yeah. like to try and say, "Right, try this first. We'll work you. We'll work you up to work away. Work away <laughs> up. Yeah, no, I get that. I think that is a large element of it. Of like." Almost like everyone knows of those sort of products. Not saying you can be like, you know, I'm going to give this back. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work. Um, so I think that's another element of it because, like I say, a lot of the the products out there are expensive. It's about not know. A lot of the time, it's about not knowing where to start and like, do I need to buy the three hundred pound one? Do I need to? And a lot of the time as well, it comes into that whole argument of disability products being more expensive or the products that are accessible to us being more expensive. So. Then it's a whole other argument. It's it's just interesting. Like whenever we have these conversations, you then I come away from these podcasts going, shit. I've now got a hundred questions in my own head that I now need to sort through and figure out how I feel about these certain things. Yeah, it, it's it's so like, and this is what I love about my job. Like people can come to me and say to me, right, and ask me the weirdest crap, and it doesn't affect. Like I love it. I absolutely love it. And like seeing what difference it can make to someone. But I think, like, sex as a disabled person, like, I, I speak so many disabled people, and, I, and I'm a big believer in this myself as well. I think disabled people do have better sex lives because they have to think about it, take the time, have conversations, be willing to laugh your head off mm-hmm. when something goes wrong. Like, you know, we've talked about the spasming thing, and we've, like, talked about, mm-hmm. like, like, I've talked about dislocating my joints. If you don't laugh yeah. about it, it's like, yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting, and I'd love to know this. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm generalising here, but I'd love to know, like, when it comes to libido, if disabled people tend to be have a higher libido. Because in my head, I'm like, again, it comes into that whole, oh, I'm able to do this because of that. Then it brings in this whole thing of like, oh, I'm able to do this, so I want to do it all the time. Yeah. So, and that's the worst thing. But then I do wonder if we do have higher libidos. And men, Curious as a question. rule, always have a higher libido, but or quite often don't. Um, but yeah. I would say I, th- I do think there is that bit, like some of the disabled men that I've spoke to, yeah, they do have high libido. I don't know how to phrase it. Like it's really hard to explain this whole like thing of like not necessarily you know, I can do it, but it's almost like a it's like an achievement. And yeah. I, that, that sounds really bad, but like I can't phrase it any other way. You know, like... Yeah, I, th- I know completely what you mean. You like in the sense of, there's something you can do, something you're good at, and you kind of want to keep yeah. keep that like up while you can. You yeah, don't want to yeah. lose that skill. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's all—it's almost as well. I think it's in my head. It's almost like a—I don't—I'd imagine this is similar for a lot of other people. Those ones where you used to get teased, like, "Oh, you'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to do this." It's almost like a "fuck you." Yeah. And that's another thing that comes into it, I think as well as a disabled person. And I can imagine as well that this isn't just a male thing. I can imagine females get it as well because I can imagine they get the same taunt as we do of like, "Oh, yeah. but you're disabled. This, that, the other." So it's almost like a ha ha told you <laughs> yeah. moment. And I think I think for it I I can't speak from the angle of like what it's like for a disabled female, but I think mm. speaking to people that I do with work, it's they've got even more things to t- kind of navigate in the sense yeah. of as well yeah. of like the whole devoteeism and things like that. They've got to like be more protective of themselves. And yeah. I can't imagine what it's like dating. Uh, like I this is something I often talk about. Like, I've the thought of you dating now terrifies me because, like, when I met Ali, it was still went like mobile phones were like just not some, even like yeah, that, yeah. Like, and it's like now like the thought of using dating apps and putting yourself out there, yeah. Um, but then like it's like the whole thing of dick pics and things like that now. I just don't get it. I, I really don't get this. Like this yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. passes about. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just. Can't but I think anyone would go. Do you know what? Here's a picture of me. That yeah. cock. There it is. It's like you wouldn't do it in any other like why people think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think coming back to the whole thing with females, I've thought about it before of like. I think there's just so many layers yeah. that they have to consider. And like you say as well, we can't speak on it. And I know we've touched on it a little bit in this episode, but let's say we can't. And it'd be really interesting uh, to do like a crossover. Obviously, I can bring Gina on and sort of that yeah. perspective. But it would be really interesting to get a group of several people just to discuss it of going like, how did you figure this out? But then, like you say, it's the, I think there's so many more because we've spoke to Brooke and stuff about being fetishized that I haven't really experienced that. I the, the strength of mine is just being called "you're quite handsome" for a disabled person. I've had that as well. Um, so, like, and that's another thing they have to consider. And then there's the whole like, I don't know. There's always something a little bit more like sinister when it comes to females dating and disability and like i'm very lucky that i've not experienced any of that and that's another element that yeah d- dating as a disabled woman i mean i might be wrong we might be completely wrong but i can imagine it's almost more challenging so like it, yeah respect like the people that i've respect- spoken to about this have all kind of give me that thing of it is a lot harder it is more challenging um and not like dated for like you know over 20 years I don't and mm. when even when I did I, I my like my disability was very invisible then so it was very different yeah. now I can't imagine what it would be like you know um and then you watch programs like Naked Attraction and you get people like just going and literally right there I'm there, in mean, all my glory on the yeah. TV this is what you're yeah, getting and yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the whole I think I think it's really hard as well because often people like obviously because of the content I've done surrounding mine and Gina's relationship they always ask me oh have you got any dating tips how did you you two get together and I'm like none of it was to do with Tinder Bumble none of, it was nothing to do with that we just kind of it just kind of happened and also it happened by the most fluke of anything um so like but then in that situation it took all the pressure away from it because it wasn't although both of us were probably looking for relationships we weren't like swiping all the time yeah. and like 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like a little old band, but like I say, like I can't give. People always ask, like, what, what did you put in your Tinder bio? What did you? I had barely any success when it came to any of the dating apps. So I kind of was like, no, these are all shit. So yeah, my opinion, just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it's having that art of conversation and as well. I think yeah. we, we, that is something I think, you know, we've lost a society is that art of conversation, art of debate as well. I think sometimes, mm. you know, you quite often you'll see, people and they'll say oh you know as a couple and I, I get it oh, me and Ali get it quite often is like oh you've been all time all, all like you've been together all that time what tips and it's like just be honest like even if that means an argument now and again nothing wrong with it you know it's just yeah. you've just got to be it's all about communication yeah exactly like oftentimes with me and Gina they'll, we'll have an argument and it's like turned this big bust up and then we both sort of have the same realisation of I didn't actually communicate what was the problem was there? Whoops. Okay. Let me, let me come back. <laughs> yeah. This was what pissed me off. And that's the big thing we need to get to. Like, there's nothing wrong with an argument. Now, if it's constant, then yeah, okay, yeah. there's, there's a problem there that needs some digging into, but there's nothing wrong with having an odd kerfuffle. Like no. it happens. You do it with your siblings. You do it with your parents. Like, you know, I, yeah. it's a natural thing in like, I think in the world, like you, if yeah. we all got on all the time, life would be so boring. Like you know, and it, if we were, yeah, if we were all the same, everyone got on, everyone had the same perspectives. Perspectives. I always find that weird word weird to say. Um, like it would be really boring. Like as well. Like yeah, I almost wonder as well if it'd be boring if everyone accepted everyone. Yeah, now, that sounds like a really weird thing to say because obviously we we are we're pushing for that. But yeah, I do wonder. I do wonder if it's going to be a bit like, oh shit, now what? Yeah, no one's no one's moaning about anything. What can we moan about? <laughs> it, it, it's like the whole thing of like going back to that earlier when we we're talking about language and like how if people are listening to a conversation you're having with your friends, it's like I think again it's like this whole cancel cut. I've I've gotten I I'm not a fan of this whole thing of canceling stuff from like the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having this conversation with a friend the other day, and we were talking about South Park. I grew up, yeah. I, I was in my teens in the 90s, so South Park was yeah. like, we, me and my mates, we all watched South Park. Now, obviously, Timmy, the character, is what a lot of people don't like. I find it hilarious. Like, like it's just... Yeah, it's it, about accepting it for yeah. what it is. That, yeah. That's the worst thing. Like, as you say, it's the whole thing of we can move forward, but it is what it is. Like I personally, I find like the in-betweeners sense of humor, like it's not my gig. No, like it's not, I, it's not what I find it to say, but then I can sort of see, yeah, I can see why people like it. And it's about leaving the, like, yeah, just showing the progression. Yeah. And that's the better thing. Like let's show that we've got better than making certain comments or making this, that, the other. And yeah, it's it's a weird one. I think it's a really weird to, one, but it's leaving things at the like in the past, and like you say, showing how we've moved on as society. And I think it also it's really hard, especially around language, because especially like some of the arguments that have been over the last few weeks in the media and things around language, it's it's different how it's used in America, for example, than it is over here. And we we I think we yeah, sometimes yeah. forget that. And it yes, we need to educate. But you, 
then what there's words that we use that are offensive to americans it's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no you it's completely right and i think the american thing is really difficult because then it becomes people like they use the word handicap a lot more in america yeah like, i got i got a form the other day and it had about handicapped on it and i was like and it was from a it, a European company, and I was just—I looked at it, and I went, "Handicapped, really?" And it's like, but yeah. that's what they use, and it's kind of seen as an international term. So I kind of like, yeah. I'm not going to kick off about it and mourn to them yeah, about when, it because that's what. Whenever, they, I, whenever I hear it, it just makes you think: Am I a golfer? <laughs> I do. I need to start stating what my handicap is. Yeah, <laughs> like that's whenever I hear it. But um, I'm just conscious of time, so I'm going to hit you with the last question, which I know I've asked you before, but I'm wondering whether you've got a different perspective because of certain things that have happened recently or whether there's just a different one you wanted to bring up, which is what's one piece of politically correctness that you really strongly agree with or disagree with? <gasps> I'm really struggling to come up with another one on this one. Oh, I've... Stumped you. You have stumped me. I think. I think if in, if there's any anything that really grinds on me at the moment is this whole. I, I want to stop disabled people being treated as children because you just see it too much. Yeah, yeah. And I and I that think, whole thing of does he take sugar? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, and having conversations yeah. with your partner instead of you and things like that. I think. Yeah. That is the one thing that is grinding on me at the moment. Um, doesn't happen yep. to me as much, but I, it's weird. I see, see it, it happening. I see, I see it happening to other disabled people. Like when when we go out, especially again, this is the male female thing. I think we all need to be just treated equally. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like all it's like that whole thing of as well. It's like people assuming that your partner's that you care as it links to that. It's like oh, does he need this? Does he need that? And I'm like, just ask them. Just ask them, and like the worst thing is, as well, if it's a situation where the person does need someone else to speak for them, the person who's with them is more than likely going to know that that's the case. So you're going to ask the individual, and it, then they're going to respond to you, and then you're going to know they're the one that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really tr- tricky one. And I think if, you, if yes. I'm going to add one more thing to it, though, I think the other thing we need to we need to stop is just assuming that men that wear pink are gay. That too, yeah, that too. If you want to wear bright colours or you want to wear pink or you want to wear your pink painted nails, fucking go for it, bro. This is it. I, I just don't, it's just people accepting, like, yeah, I think as well, the thing I find about a lot of the stuff, like when you look into more like the emo phase and the gothic phase, a lot of people used to do that anyway. So yeah. like, why is it the classes are like, I don't know why it's a big thing. Like, yeah. Um, hey ho. Anyway, where can people find you? Because you've actually had a bit of a name change. Yes. So uh, where can people find you? So on Instagram, you can now find me at Willy Rockin' Pink. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we we had to have a name change because like people were like, yeah. And also, um, um, by the time this comes out, in theory, uh, you will also be able to find me on the sex education side um, at Bedroom Adventures on Instagram nice, because nice. we are, I've said I'm launching a podcast about disability, but I've going to go on. We're going to have two separate ones. And the other one is going to be talking about sex, not just sex and disability, but what I want to try and break some stigmas around the whole time about sex. So we're going to have sex workers on and things like that. And a lot about disability. Awesome. As well, that sounds really interesting. Open these conversations up. 
Yeah, I, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited because, as I say, I think that's such a topic that needs touching on more. So, yeah, really excited. But thank you so much for coming on. I mean, we could we could we could chat about shit all the time. Yeah, so we, we'll definitely yeah. probably jump on a third one. But yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on. Anytime, Charlie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Quite Podcast. Please make sure you follow us on TikTok and Instagram to get regular updates about the podcast.